to be seated. It's uh, really great to be here and uh, an honor just to in, uh, step into this great day of confirmations and celebrations for Church of the Incarnation. As uh, Father Stephen mentioned, I'm one of the three bishops in the Diocese of Christ Our Hope. My official title, if you like titles, is Bishop Coadjutor, but his dad calls me Bishop Coagitator. So um, I've come to agitate you today with good news. Um, I'm really thankful to be in this diocese and to be a part of what God's been doing in our midst for about seven years now. Um, there's a number of kids uh, leaving churches today in our diocese to go attend Camp Booyah. We continue to see new churches planted, all the things that we're doing in view of God's mercy and grace in our lives to proclaim the gospel to the ends of the earth. So it's really an exciting time to be a part of Christ Our Hope. Admittedly, that we live in a time of great chaos and concern, yet God is at work powerfully. So we ask you to partner with us to pray for the diocese, to support our work as we support your endeavors as a church to proclaim Christ here in Short Pump and the Richmond area. We're going to see in just a few moments several folks receive the laying on of hands and this great prayer from the church that they would be filled with the Holy Spirit, ready for all of God's good work in their life. And I thought it would be appropriate for us to discuss um, some things out of the gospel lesson today as we um, mark off this great day of celebration. Let's pray. We pray, Lord, that you would come and speak to us through your word. Your word is powerful and mighty. It splits even the bone and joints and marrows of our life. And yet it reveals to us words of life. So we pray that you, Holy Spirit, would be our teacher this morning. You would forgive this preacher and you would build us up as your faithful people and that we might see the beauty of the Lord Jesus Christ and his great invitation to us. And we ask this in his name. Amen. The gospel primarily is a message of hospitality. Now, we tend to think of hospitality as little snacks and coffee after church, but the concept of hospitality is much greater. This past week, one of the um, theologians and teachers that I like to read is a woman named Christine Pohl, who was a professor at Asbury Seminary. Christine once wrote, A life of hospitality begins in worship with a recognition of God's grace and generosity. Hospitality is not first a duty and a responsibility. It is first a response of love and gratitude for God's love and welcome to us. Uh, Christine's writings um, reoriented for me that the gospel message is that those who are estranged, those who are far off, are brought near by the mercy and the life of Jesus. They, by repentance and faith, become family. And through faith, they recognize Jesus as Lord, that he has triumphed over death, and that they will be with him eternally. He will be our God, and we will be his people. And the message of the gospel that reminds us that we are strangers 
harkens back to the very beginning with our ancient parents, Adam and Eve, who fell and immediately upon falling realized and recognized their estrangement with God and their estrangement with each other. They became alienated. They noticed their own very vulnerability. In today's gospel, Jesus engages and, and dines with sinners and tax collectors and That's a phrase that we can easily miss the full import of, particularly a person named Matthew, who is also referred to as Levi, this lead tax collector. The author, Tim Chalice, wrote a book, and I commend it to you, I think 2011, called A Meal with Jesus. And he writes that Jesus, in in the Gospels, is either going to a meal, at a meal, or coming from a meal. And in Jesus' day, the act of a meal was an act of fellowship, community, and make no mistake, it was an act of power. You advanced in your standing by your ability to offer a meal, which meant you had resources. We just took a cruise this week, my family, and the best part about it was it was all you could eat for my family of seven for a week, prepaid. We, we had steak dinner one night, and my 13-year-old, who never stops eating, said, can I have another? I was like, sure. And he looked at me shocked, like, you're letting me get another steak? Yes, eat, have your fill. Socially, if you were invited to a meal, you were obligated then to reciprocate. It was a way to advance. And yet, look at what Jesus does. He used meals to confound the social climbers and to invite those outside of the community. By dining with sinners and tax collectors, Jesus betrayed common law practices, but not God's laws. In fact, it was at a meal that Mary came and wiped his feet with her tears and her hair And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, were scandalized by this moment. In Luke chapter 14, verse 12, Jesus says to the host of a meal where he's at, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, category of all those outside, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. It is befitting that Jesus dines in the home of sinners and tax collectors. He's in their home and their space. He's on their turf He's the one who said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And he's in the home of the very people perceived to be his enemies and the enemy of God. How ironic. Sinners who would appropriately be those who willfully neglect the laws of God. And tax collectors in this phrase would be those who sell out their own people to the Romans and become rich off their slavery and oppression. These are the people that he dines with. Now, I graduated a long time ago from Oklahoma State University, and we call Oklahoma University not the Sooners, but the Sinners. 
and I have to work very hard to find something positive to say about OU. I know, I know, there's one everywhere. Um, Because of rivalry and primarily jealousy, I do this. And yet this past week, the OU women's softball team have just absolutely demolished women's softball. Three championships in three years, six in the last 10, a current 53-game winning streak. And I, I was tuning in to watch a clip of their best players giving a press conference, and they were asked this simple question, how do they keep the joy through a long season? And I rolled my eyes like, oh my gosh. And then this young woman said, joy comes from the Lord and not circumstances. Happiness comes from your circumstances, but joy from the Lord remains at all times. And I immediately thought, no, no, it's not fair. (laughs) Oh, you as Christians there. It's just not fair. You see, what Jesus did is to turn the understanding of God's law back to its right order. The message of the gospel is hospitality, bringing near those who were lost. When the righteous leaders and the religious leaders ask why, why is Jesus dining with sinners and tax collectors, Jesus says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call on the righteous, not the righteous, but sinners. No one would make an appointment to go see a doctor, to tell a doctor about someone else's sickness. You go to a doctor when you're desperate and you need healing. Jesus directly quotes Hosea, the the Old Testament reading that we heard, who was this prophet married to a woman named Gomer who was unfaithful to him. And God says, take her back and love her. And his marriage to Gomer then became this window by which Gomer could see God's relationship to Israel. God promised himself to Israel, and they stepped on his promises, and yet he pursued them. Usually every Friday night at my house, we have movie night, and Angela Kay, my wife, and I start at opposite ends of the spectrum. She wants a movie that's going to make her cry, and I want a movie where some hero is going to save the world, and usually we meet in the middle. We watch a movie where we all cry. Recently, we watched the movie Redeeming Love by the author Francine Rivers, who is in essence retelling this amazing story of Hosea, this story about God desiring mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy is compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Mercy is an amazingly compelling act. C.S. Lewis said, forgive us as we forgive. This great line out of the Lord's Prayer, we are offered forgiveness on no other terms. To refuse forgiveness is to refuse God's mercy for ourselves. The point in Hosea, and it's quoted in the book of Isaiah as well, don't sacrifice, 
It's not don't sacrifice at all. It's don't sacrifice hypocritically. First, learn to be merciful. Jesus sacrificed himself as an act of mercy on our behalf after living his life constantly demonstrating grace and mercy to those on the outside. He tells the religious leaders, go and learn this. Go and learn what it means to love mercy. I think that might be a message for us today in this crazy, confused time that we live. Desire mercy, not sacrifice. What has been placed in all of us as men and women alive and well in this world is this great longing to come home. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men and women. And the only thing that can match a longing that is eternal is an encounter with the divine. We have so much in this world, so much at our fingertips, so much access to information and technology, yet our culture, statistics, and surveys say we're the most bored people in the world. We're empty, and we're hungry, and we're thirsty, because what we ultimately long for is to come home. For the Christian, we teach and believe that this longing to come home is found in the person of Jesus Christ. Nothing else can be close to satisfaction for that. I love the quote from the Southern author, Pat Conroy, who wrote the book, The Great Santini. He said, I could not quiet that pearly ache in my heart that I diagnosed as the cry of home. Couldn't get rid of that ache to come home. I'm 53 years old, and when I drive up the driveway in my parents' house in Perry, Oklahoma, I feel I'm home. And yet I pay a bill every month to Truist Bank for a mortgage for a home in Greensboro, North Carolina. I like to tell people I have three homes. I have a home in Greensboro. I have the home that I grew up in in Oklahoma. And I have this longing to come home with God, to be in the presence of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's the longing that we all have. The one who had no home, Jesus, is our home. And he invites all of us, the strange ones, even the worst of us, even those that don't believe we should be near him, to a simple meal with eternal consequences. Isn't it fascinating? Jesus, in Revelation 3.20, says, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with that person, and they with me. Jesus' great act of hospitality, making strangers friends, is the work of the gospel. It's the beautiful picture of the church Sunday after Sunday. We who are desperately longing to come home in this life come to this table and have a meal as God's family. You've been invited to this family, the body of Christ, and you've been invited not on the basis of your own standing, your talent, 
your beauty, your resources, your intellect. You've been invited by love and that love expressed through mercy. You've been called by God to come home. That's why this day, as we welcome these folks into the family of God's church, we're saying, you are a part of this family now. Psalm 68.6 says that God sets the lonely in family, and we celebrate that today. Brothers and sisters, friends, are you on your way home to your Lord, to Jesus, the one who loves you and has welcomed you? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the power of your word and the power of your invitation that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved, that all who draw near shall be met with your grace and mercy. And this morning, as we see these folks join your church, the body of Christ, may, be, may we be reminded that your great plan for us is to be your family. We ask your blessing on these words that they may find fertile ground in our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.